0: The Republicans to wake up is the Republican Party right now is not led by conservatives. There's a population out there that has to be told the truth. Uh, we have to do it live now from the left coast. It's another podcast edition of the Peter B. Collins Show. Peter B. is curious, opinionated, and relentless in pursuit of the truth like a honeybee drawn to pollen. He's an independent progressive, ready to sting Republicans and Democrats alike when they deserve it. After years in commercial radio, Peter B. welcomes you to this audio adventure in news and politics with no corporate filter. Listeners support this program, and you can help at PeterBCollins.com. Here's your humble host, Peter B.
1: This land is your land. This podcast is your podcast. My thanks to Deborah Newell, Leanne Rayer, and Christopher Welsh. Voluntary subscribers supporting this show. As I was walking,
0: opening up highway.
1: If you're able and so inclined, you can do it too. Just go to peterbcollins.com on the right-hand side of the homepage. There's a tab that says you can help. Our voluntary subscriptions start as low as $5 a month. I had planned to bring you two segments in today's podcast, but due to scheduling issues and the importance of the Alvin Green story from South Carolina, we're going to get this one out pronto. And the Peter B. Collins Show continues. Sponsored by the Organic Wine Company. Go to OrganicWineCompany.com and find out about the Peter B. Collins Organic Wine Club. I walk a lonely road, the only one that
0: I have ever known. Don't know where it goes, but it's only me and I walk alone.
1: Somewhere in South Carolina, it's Alvin Green Day. Just about nobody had heard of Alvin Green until he won the Democratic Senate primary to face off against Republican Jim DeMint in South Carolina this coming fall in the general election. And so we brought back Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We just talked to Brad last week about some of the uh, weirdness and anomalies of Super Tuesday primaries in this country. And uh, at that time, the Green story was breaking, but uh, I didn't have enough information, and Brad was still researching and Brad, a listener emailed over the weekend said, "Gotta hear Brad's take on this." So I'm doing this under some duress, but not. <laughs>
0: well, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm inclined to tell you to just go back and pull out those tapes from 2006, the Florida 13 uh, special House election between Christine Jennings and Vern Buchanan, and just play those instead. Because boy, it's starting to look like we may be having a rerun of of that nightmare. Which, by the way. That, you'll recall, 18,000 votes disappeared in an election that was uh, determined by just 369 votes. That election was run on the same ES&S iVotronic touchscreen machines that they are now using in uh, South Carolina that were used in this race. Uh, After that Florida race, of course, the uh, governor, uh, Charlie Crist, actually, was smart enough to do away with those uh, ES&S iVotronic touchscreens. Well, guess where they ended up? Up there in South Carolina, actually, the machines in South Carolina, uh, as we learned today from uh, Vic Rall, uh, Alvin Green's challenger, who's now challenging the election, uh, he said in his uh, statement today, Vic Rawl did, that the machines were actually purchased secondhand from the state of Louisiana. Oh, my
1: God. Low, low mileage.
0: Outlawed down there.
1: Previously owned, low mileage, one-owner beauties. <sighs> yeah. uh uh-huh.
0: Uh, It's really, it's unbelievable. I am happy to report, though, that uh, Vic Rall, the candidate who uh, reportedly lost in that race, has today filed a challenge to the election, and he seemed, I haven't been able to speak to the campaign, I've uh, uh, put in calls and sent emails, had not yet heard from them. Uh, don't know if they're reading the Brad blog or not, but the language today in uh, Judge Rawls' statement explaining his challenge, his protest down there, sounds like he could have been uh, writing it at the Brad blog, frankly.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let's give a little background here. It was last Tuesday that Alvin Green, according to the vote tallies, received 59% of the Democratic primary votes. Now, it's an open primary, so Republicans may have been uh, quietly playing a game here, trying to pick the weaker of the two Democrats to face off against Jim DeMint, who is a certifiable, knuckle-dragging, uh, Neanderthal Republican, uh, who has been uh, an obstructionist uh, unparalleled uh, against uh, the Obama administration on appointments, on uh, bills, uh, you know, f- uh, facing cloture. He's, uh, he's a real problem for the Democrats so you can uh, spin a number of different possible theories about republicans uh... favoring green over judge Rawl, um, but as you have uh, very ably covered and with some backup from uh... five thirty eight dot com doing some of the statistical analysis um, this seems to be one of the most far-fetched results uh... that we have encountered and we've seen some doozies over the years
0: we have seen some doozies, although this could outdo them all if uh, you know this continues to move where it seems to be going, and if it proves that there was, in fact, election fraud on these uh, on this electronic voting systems, I would say that, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, it could prove to be Jim Dim- Jim Demint's Waterloo. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's uh, uh, it remains to be seen because we don't know what happened. We do know that the paper based absentee ballots um, go 11 points more in favor of Rawl than Green. Mm -hmm. Now, if uh, some of the speculation out there, you know, Green was uh, the first uh, candidate on the ballot, or there was crossover votes that you mentioned, or this was uh, somehow a racial issue, most of those theories have been disabused uh, by uh, various folks who have analyzed the data, you know, for example, finding no correlation whatsoever uh, between race, uh, between the votes for, for Green, who is black, mm-hmm. and Rawl, who is white, uh, they found no correlation of that looking at the county-by-county county returns and comparing those returns to the uh, non-white percentages of registered voters in each, uh, in each county. So that doesn't seem to be the case, not to mention very few voters knew uh, Rawl at all. He only had about an 18% name recognition, but even fewer knew Green. So to suggest that he was, you know, that African Americans voted for him because he was black, most people had never heard of him. The guy had done no campaigning, has no money, has no job, has no campaign website, so it's somewhat far-fetched to think that the you know the African-American community turned out uh, to support one of their own in this race.
1: Because Cause they, they wouldn't have even known that he was one of their uh, quote-unquote own.
0: Well, that would seem to be the case. Now, there has been some speculation, again, that uh, African-Americans recognize the name Green when it has an E on the end mm-hmm. to be an African-American surname. Uh, you know, again... If that was the case, you would think it would correlate with the with the data as matched up to, uh, you know, the the majority African-American counties and so on and so forth, but it doesn't seem to.
1: Well, the, the only two Greens I know that have an E on the end uh, are both white guys, Richard Green, who used to be on Air America, and Ford Green, who is an attorney who recently took a, a case here in the Bay Area to the state Supreme Court. He's also been uh, a thorn in the side of uh, the Moonies and... Uh, 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 uh Scientologists over the years but my my point is that uh, i don't know green with an e on the end to be uh a uh, a name that is predominantly african american
0: well uh it's a black thing you wouldn't get it
1: okay uh, i'll accept that
0: <laughs> but i i you know in, in truth I, you know i don 't know it it is just more you know speculation, and you had mentioned five thirty eight and they 've been you know doing terrific statistical analysis of all of this and have essentially now narrowed down the possibilities to just two uh, Their first one is that it is some combination of African American voters, perhaps, seeing the E, believing that's a, an African American name, combined with his placement on the ballot at the top, combined with those people who did know Vic Rall, uh... the opponent, uh, mm-hmm. not liking him. Apparently, he only had something like a 4% approval rating of the people who did know him, and mind you, that was only 18% statewide right. who uh-huh. even knew the guy. So. That was scenario one that uh, 538 is putting out. Um, you know, some combination of all of those factors to give him a 60 40 uh, uh, win over Vic Rawl. Problem is, that scenario doesn't really account for the 11 point disparity in the paper based absentee voting versus the Election Day 100% unverifiable machine voting. Mm-hmm. You would think if, you know, those factors were in place. Uh, on Election Day, they were similarly in place on, uh, you know, in the absentee ballots, but that's not the case. Their second scenario is, uh, as, uh, they, to quote them, a devious uh, manipulation of the voting system. And that's it. That's their two theories at this point. And I'll add a corollary to their second theory. It might not be devious manipulation of the voting system. It may just be error. You know, Peter, you and I have talked over the years mm-hmm. about these voting systems, specifically the ESNS voting system, their touchscreen system, just failing in election after election after election. Uh, we don't know that it was gamed, for example, in Florida 13 in, in that uh, 2006 special election I, I mentioned, but it might have been. Fact is, nobody knows what happened. Nobody knows if it was error or fraud or anything else. Uh It may just be a failure because we had all of these reports of voters who were unable to cast their vote for Christine Jennings. The ballot you know that they'd flipped on the touch screens right before their face to either no candidate at all or to her opponent Vern Buchanan. Well, Vic Rawl, in his statement today, hinted at some of those facts uh occurring in this race as well. He says he'll release the full details on Thursday. Uh, as far as their finding goes, but he noted today that uh well let me let me read to you from his statement if I could
1: yep i've got uh, it up go right ahead
0: he says uh, well, this is the second read well, let me read the first reason he says was the because of the analysis of election returns themselves indicating irregularities, we mentioned some of those in the absentee versus election day results, and then secondly, he says there are many voters and poll workers who continue to contact us with stories. Of extremely unusual incidents while trying to vote and administer this election, these range from voters who repeatedly pressed uh, the screen for me, only to have the other candidate's name appear. We've heard that before with Christine Jennings. Indeed. to poll workers who had to change program cards multiple times, which is exceedingly troubling. We've also heard that before, Peter. When mm-hmm. uh, you know, in election after election, when you hear about these uh, this uh, vote flipping going on, a lot of times. Election officials will come in, they'll uh, jigger with the, uh, the uh, very sensitive memory cards, they'll replace them in the middle of an election, which I have argued is absolutely insane, since the ballot information and all of the results are on that card, which, you know, is an exceedingly easy way to game an election via those cards. Uh, and so they're, they're getting reports of that. And he says uh, finally, uh, at least one voter in the Republican primary who had the Democratic U.S. Senate race appear on her ballot. That has echoes of my own experience that we talked about in the last podcast, Peter. Right. Uh, when I tried to vote on an S system out here in Los Angeles, and it gave me the wrong ballot. That happened uh, last week. Uh, on the Super Tuesday election out here in California, it happened two years ago in June of 2008 to me on those same ESNs systems. So they're hearing a lot of the same things that uh, that I was hearing, and I was delighted by Vic Rawls' third reason given for challenging this election, which he says quite directly: third is the well-documented unreliability and unverifiability. Of the voting machines used in South Carolina unverifiability that's what I have been on and on about for years I will even go so far as to say if Alvin Green won legitimately and every vote was recorded accurately as per the voters intent the fact is it is impossible for anybody to verify that as a fact and that is, as I've said over and over again, Peter, a grave threat to our democracy.
1: And people can read Judge Rawls' statement. His last name is like Lou Rawls without the S, R-A-W-L. And his website is Vic, V-I-C, vicrawl.com There's also a contact form there for voters in South Carolina to report anomalies like the ones we just described. And so I hope that uh, all of our listeners in South Carolina, both of you, Uh, actually, I don't know, Uh, will step forward if you have any information that could uh, uh, shed some light on what actually occurred. Now, Brad, it is courageous what you just pointed out, the third item here that candidate Rawl put in, which is that uh, these machines are unreliable, unverifiable. But the corporate media in this country, while reporting this case, and also reporting some of the good work of uh, people like Bill Press on radio and Keith Olbermann on television in exposing the inexperience. And, um, I mean, it's, it's almost uh, astounding to watch Olbermann's interview with Candidate Green. Uh, this guy doesn't know nothing about nothing. Yeah. And uh, he's got this uh, felony obscenity uh, case uh, outstanding that he refuses to comment on. When he was talking with Olbermann, there was clearly somebody in the background coaching him, almost the way Bush had that gizmo on his back (laughs) where voices would tell him how to answer a tough question at a news conference. And uh, so, you know, the media is covering this case, but for the most part, they are avoiding uh, the issue that election uh, uh, tabulation problems, that the voting machines themselves could be suspects, in this uh, potential heist.
0: Yeah, as usual, that's what they do. They go out and they backwards engineer reasons why this could be legitimate. Now, it could be legitimate, but I'm not interested in speculation. What I'm interested in is anybody out there who has proof that Alvin Green won the uh, Democratic nomination uh, for the U.S. Senate candidacy. If anybody has proof of that, please share it with me. I think it would become you know, very handy for the nation. So, yeah, once again, we saw the New York Times, Gail Collins speculating about uh, how it is that Alvin Green might have won.
1: No relation to yours truly, by the way.
0: Uh, that's right, Gail Collins. <laughs> you, uh, good point. Uh, AP was doing the same thing, using the word conspiracy theories. Unfortunately, I was sad to see uh and to one extent Donna brazil on uh, this week uh, on Sunday talking about conspiracy theories, though she did say you know they were conspiracy theories she might uh subscribe to in the future we 'll see and then today, just before uh jumping on air with you here today peter uh Donna Brazil was on c n n and spoke quite directly about her concerns about the touchscreen voting machines and the fact that they are unverifiable. I can tell you this much. Donna Brazil reads the Brad blog very, very closely. So I'm hoping that as she is out there, as she has been uh, reading my site for years, that she is a conduit for that information to the mainstream media. I hope she has the courage to do it because she does know the facts of, of this matter.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Donna, I encourage you to step forward, too. There are times when I really admire her, and other times when I feel she's, uh, oh, an explainer yeah. uh, of things, and I understand the uh, you know, political swamp she lives in, so I, I'm not offering that as any kind of a personal indictment. Uh, but here's an opportunity, Donna Brazil, for you to stand up for election integrity and to acknowledge that uh, this is not the first time that very serious questions have arisen about the validity of an election outcome because of the electronic machines and the tabulators uh, that can easily be hacked, often without a trace. And of course, uh, the number one suspects, not the only ones, but the number ones are insiders, uh, people who manage uh, either as government employees or as corporate contractors, the counting of our votes under these privatized systems.
0: That's exactly right. And until the country understands that, until the country understands the the, the threat that we are under, uh, you know, unfortunately it takes elections like this for people to even pay attention at all, then they quickly forget about them because, you know, as with the uh, election down there in Florida four years ago, nobody was able to come up with an explanation. They did studies at Florida State University, the GAO did an investigation, nobody came up with an answer as to what happened to those disappearing 18,000 votes, and yet... The Democrats dismissed Christine Jennings' uh, contest that she had filed in the U.S. House under the Federal Contested Elections Act, and the whole issue went away. As I said, Charlie Crist did do the right thing in uh, decertifying those machines down there in Florida. But they're still being used. They're still being used all over the country. And the people, until people understand this, until people understand that they have a right to know at the end of an election if someone actually won or lost, uh, you know, and that it shouldn't be left up to private companies to tell us what happened with their machines until they understand that we're going to be in the same mess. I'm hoping this insane, absolutely insane election down there in South Carolina might finally shake something loose uh, in in the mainstream media and amongst election officials and elected officials.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and yeah. of course, we need to find a way, at least strategically, to make clear to people that this is not isolated that at minimum the risk applies to every state and every jurisdiction where touchscreen machines are the primary uh, voting system, Mm -hmm. voting method, and that even without them, people who cast their votes on paper ballots or who cast their votes uh, absentee by mail uh, have no guarantee that their vote is going to be properly counted and that Mm -hmm. the election results are credible.
0: Let me uh, give... Huge kudos here today to uh, uh, Vic Rall for challenging this and for the statement, uh, part of his statement, Marie, just one more uh, paragraph to you, where he said, There is a cloud over Tuesday's election. There is a cloud over South Carolina that affects all of our people, Democrats and Republicans, white and African-American alike. He goes on to say, Let me be clear regardless of the outcome of this protest, a full and unblinking investigation of this election and the overall integrity of South Carolina's election system must go forward. Whether our protest is upheld or not, I intend to bring my full energies to electoral reform well into the future. He deserves great kudos for that, and you could uh, replace South Carolina in that statement with any state in the union as you like, because we pretty much have the same situation in state after state across the country.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, Brad, you do a lot of sleuthing. Uh, You don't really carry a title of detective, but (laughs) you use many of the same skills as a detective. So let let me just ask you here, and, and clearly for our listeners, we're moving into a speculative mode. But one of the things that appears to me is that Alvin Green is somebody's patsy. And that he may not know uh, what went on in the counting of votes that led to his 59 percent alleged victory uh, over Judge Rawl. And we know that it's murky that this unemployed man was able to come up with $10,400 to qualify to put himself on the ballot. He says that uh, he paid for that himself. Uh, I'd like to see the receipts, and I'm sure that's one of the things that uh, Judge Rawls' challenge will uh, uh, attempt to investigate as well. But assuming that uh, uh, Green has told us the truth to date, that he did, in fact, manage to come up with the scratch to put his name on the ballot, um, it seems to me the most likely suspects are those who support Senator Jim DeMint, who wanted to come up with the weakest possible opponent, uh, so that Dement could sail to victory.
0: Well, yes, and a lot of uh, folks have noticed that while Vic Rawl was not particularly well known in the state either, his, uh, his uh, the, the rate of people who knew uh, his name recognition was something like eighteen percent. Rawl has said that their internal polling showed them gaining on Dement and within some seven points of demand. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to verify that. That's their uh, internal polling, I believe, but uh you know, within 7 points here in uh, June, that's not real far. No, uh, it's not. You know, to go over the next what do we have 6 months or so still to go.
1: That's breathing down the opponent's neck, uh, particularly for somebody who uh, as, as you pointed out, is not an established statewide political figure.
0: Well, that's right. For, uh, for an incumbent to have someone like that who nobody knows breathing down their neck is disturbing, and particularly in a year that the media likes to say, you know, is is about uh, throwing out incumbents. We haven't seen that come to pass too much just yet.
1: No, the facts have not caught up with the coverage. <laughs>
0: That's right. But, you know, we have seen some, you know, uh, Utah Senator uh, Bob Bennett uh, thrown out. Uh, Now, that was by a, uh, 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 not by a vote, but a rabid caucus. Yeah. Um, But, you know, there are a lot of angry folks out there. And if the Republicans believe their own press (laughs) that uh, there's an anti-incumbency fever, I suspect that the incumbent Republicans to be concerned about that and maybe they were here and maybe there is some chicanery going on uh, coming out from the from the de mint camp um, it certainly makes as much sense as any other speculation now what what doesn't make sense is that even if he was a republican plant uh, having someone in an election does not guarantee that they're going to get 60 percent of the vote right And uh, when you talk about the possibility of crossover voting, Republicans voting in the Democratic primary, uh, that has uh, some weakness to that theory as well, because there was a huge turnout on the same day in the Republican primary, where you had a very tight race with uh, 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 Nikki Haley running for governor and so forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of controversy there. So it doesn't fully explain that you know 59 41% margin that he got the green got overall at least not according to the statisticians so far who have looked at it uh, and who I've I've tried to quote and links to because link to, I don't want anybody to have to trust me uh the folks over there at uh, 598 uh, 538.com
1: mhm yeah well this is a very interesting case um is there anything you want to add here cuz <clears throat> I want to Say farewell to Clark Hoyt in a moment. <laughs> oh, my favorite. Uh,
0: you know, again, the same thing that I add all the time. Don't wait for bradblog.com or Peter B. Collins to do this. Don't wait for anybody else. Folks who are listening to this, please, you know, spread the word. I've got, a aside from bradblog.com, I've got a easy-to-use Twitter uh, name, the Bradblog. I try to get out all of this news as it's breaking, often before it's even on the, the blog, Uh, You know, follow me there and spread the word. Tweet it to your followers, and let's get the word out this time, for crying out loud.
1: Yeah. Well, continue to watch Brad at bradblog.com, because I'm sure this uh, story is going to be front and center for uh, some time. And we'll stay in touch, Mm -hmm. too, Brad, and update uh, as needed here for the uh, PBC podcast. Well, uh, before you go, I just did want to uh, point people to bradblog.com, because Clark Hoyt. Has completed his three-year term as the uh, public editor at the New York Times, and uh, Did you
0: say public enemy? Uh,
1: I think I said editor. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and I'm sure that you're in a state of mourning over there at uh, Brad Bladba- Blad- <laughs> Brad Blog World HQ.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm very sorry to see him go. Although not nearly as sorry, I'm sure, as the 400,000 member families of uh acorn the low and middle income uh, families who uh worked with acorn you know to fight anti poverty issues to fight to uh uh to register folks to participate in their democracy since uh really uh, clark hoyt uh was turned out to be an extraordinary extraordinary villain frankly in this entire matter as i had reported uh you know going back to the first uh, beginning of this year about the entire acorn pimp hoax and uh, the new york times unbelievable misreporting on that story in in report after report we had hoped that uh, clark Hoyt, the public editor the readers representative would jump into this game take a look at the actual facts as i had very clearly presented them and come back with a finding that yes the new york times screwed up big time and that their coverage in fact you know helped lead to the uh, acorn being defunded and essentially putting acorn out of business unfortunately clark court came in and made excuses turned out to be an apologist for the newspaper uh... and that kept going on for a matter of months until he finally said yeah you know what maybe i got a little bit of it wrong maybe the new york times got a little bit of it wrong they issued a partial correction but by then the damage was done and it, unfortunately, it wasn't just the Acorn story. There were other ones like it. Uh, Clark Hoyt ill-served the readers, frankly ill-served the newspaper, the once great paper of record. Um, and on Sunday, when he penned his farewell column, uh, he decidedly did not mention his astounding failure as he wrote his leg, tried to, you know, craft his legacy there in his final column. He did not mention his extraordinary extraordinary failure uh, on the acorn issue uh, because, frankly, I think he's a bit of a coward and a loser and good riddance, Clark Hoyt.
1: And, and Brad, as I'm thinking about this, uh, this really is the most vivid example of a Joe McCarthy smear that we have seen, and it remains unacknowledged. You know, at the time... When Joe McCarthy was demonizing people and calling them communists on, you know, very flimsy guilt-by-association-type uh, evidence, yeah, uh, there was a widespread awareness at the time of what he was doing. Now, there was approval for it because we were, you know, in the depths of the Cold War and uh, people were all amped up about the big commie threat. Yeah. But still, uh, the techniques that he was using were called out famously by Edward R. Murrow. And yet today, we don't have a Murrow right. in the media who has really stood up and stood for acorn against this smear, and neither do we have any political leaders who were willing to stand up and say, you know, we got this wrong, and we were, we were railroaded by a kid with a video camera, uh, a right-wing noise machine, that fed it to Fox, and from there the virus spread to the rest of the media who were desperate to catch up on this uh, bizarre, you know, little little uh, contrivance that uh, O'Keefe... Hoax. It was a hoax. Yeah, that O'Keefe uh, generated. Yeah. And even today, as Acorn sits in ruins, and as you point out, nearly half a million families uh, have suffered to some extent uh, because of this, uh, th- there's no one who has come forward to say um this was a real miscarriage of justice this was a a crime that was uh, you know that rippled through the the corporate media in this country and everybody is smugly sitting back there just saying well acorn was bad and whether this uh, really happened the way it did or not is immaterial yeah. because we've uh, you know ferreted out this uh, this awful organization out of our our national landscape
0: it, it's really appalling, yeah, this four-decades-old organization, anti-poverty, pro-democracy. I suppose the closest we have right now uh, to that Edward R. Murrow character, to call this out in the so-called mainstream, has been Rachel Maddow mm-hmm. on MSNBC. She has done some good reports on this, and and most recently she did, uh, we've got it also still on the front page, I think, at Bradblog, um, a report uh, comparing the difference between Uh, The reaction from the Republicans, and it could even apply to Democrats here because Democrats also, you know, voted to defund ACORN. But the the reaction uh, by the Republicans to what turned out to be completely phony hoax tapes uh, concerning ACORN, where no one ever died, where there was not a single vote ever cast illegally, uh, comparing that to the Republicans' reaction to B.P., where 11 people died, and how they haven't, you know, said boo about it really, in truth. You know, I mean, they couldn't race to the TV cameras fast enough to announce that they were uh, proposing a bill to defund ACORN when this all, uh, when the phony tapes originally came out. Haven't seen them racing to the cameras to discuss... Uh, defunding BP. Now, mind you, Acorn did receive three and a half million dollars in federal funds each of the last 15 years, while BP receives billions of dollars each year from the federal government. But apparently, the Republicans don't care.
1: So, well, and, and just give, just yeah. to extend that uh, that parallel for a moment, Brad, and, I, and I'm glad you you framed it the way you did. Last week, I was reading that uh one of the bills that was passed instructed the pentagon to scour its financial records and make sure that it had not sent uh, you know in any way funded any acorn projects now uh the acorn never ever had any kind of a grant or contract with the department of defense right. so th- this was absurd to the nth degree meanwhile uh it was reported last week that 12% of the oil and uh, fuel products that are purchased by the Pentagon worldwide come from BP, <laughs> and there's no move to say, well, you know, we've got to strip those contracts away from the company that uh, blew out the Gulf. Uh, no, 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 we don't. We don't even approach that.
0: No, that doesn't even come up. And you know, add to that, uh, for what it's worth, the posturing. By uh, Tim Pawlenty, the governor up there in Minnesota, Republican governor, uh, and uh, Bobby Jindal down there, the Republican governor of Louisiana, uh, both of whom uh, issued proclamations that no fund, no uh, state funds are to go to Acorn. Uh, they are to stop the funding immediately. When in fact, neither Minnesota nor Louisiana actually gave any money to acorn, yeah. so I mean really a hundred percent posturing, and you 're right it is uh, joe McCarthy like it, it is not understood that the entire thing was a hoax because Rachel Maddow, as good as she is, you know does not have the uh, you know these aren 't the days when there was three networks, and mm-hmm. uh, when you had Edward R. Murrow go on and say something, everybody in America heard it. very few people heard. What Rachel Maddow had to say. Even fewer, I suspect, heard what Bradblog.com had to say. I was at a media conference yesterday out at Pepperdine, where I was the only non-wingnut with about 20 wingnuts. And uh, and I mean, you know, wingnut Hugh Hewitt was there, John Ziegler. I mean, Michael Ledeen, mm-hmm. some of the worst of the worst uh, as far as you know liars in the Republican uh, corporate media go. And when I talked about this point, when I said that, you know, there was no acorn voter fraud, that it was a hoax, I mean, the entire auditorium burst into laughter. They couldn't even conceive of the fact that this entire thing was a phony hoax from the jump because they simply haven't been informed. I tried to get the facts across to them as best I could, maybe uh you know cracked the cement casing a little bit in some of these folks brains uh but yeah they don't get it and so you know the, the 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 myth survives that somehow uh you know acorn was up to these shenanigans and that is in no no small part thanks to the New York Times and uh and Clark Hoyt for apologizing for their complete misreporting on this
1: well and for his service to the times they didn't give him a gold watch They're going to buy him some new glasses with stronger lenses.
0: Yes, please.
1: (laughs) Brad, we'll be in touch. Thank you for the update, in particular on uh, South Carolina. That's a fascinating story. Stay on it.
0: Always my pleasure. have a feeling we're going to be talking uh, more frequently in the near future.
1: Brad Friedman, bradblog.com. Let me know your comments. Drop me an email, peter at peterbcollins.com. Hey, and thanks for listening. Happy trails to Until we meet again Happy trails to you Keep smiling until then